0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Raj and me. For everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs, you know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj.
1: Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Saturday, the 4th of August. Yes, we are late again. See, we need Vince to come back just to keep me steady on time. Although this time, well, it's not just my fault. Neither myself nor Sarah were feeling quite ourselves on Wednesday. So we thought, okay, well, we'll just take a little break and we'll wait until the weekend to do it. So, But you are feeling better, obviously, and quite perky.
0: Yes, thankfully. Yes.
1: All right. Uh, until we start talking about this week's comics. Yes, the mood will drop
0: dramatically, I'm
1: sure. Now, if you will recall, last week we talked about um, the small press publisher that we would be discussing their comics this week, and we are going to do that now. Like I said last week as well, too, we are going to be honest. Not to the point of being insulting, of course, but if critical analysis is required, that's what's going to happen, and unfortunately there's going to be a lot of that which really is disappointing because again like i said before i like the idea of supporting smaller press publishers i really like if somebody is striking out to go up against the again the big two and the idw and the image and everybody else and and really make a name for themselves you want to encourage that you want it to be something that um, more people try to do this and even though it is a tough time to break into comics right now especially with digital and whatnot there, there are still ways of getting around that and hopefully having a successful small company so who we're talking about this week is key leaf they were previously known as semantic and they are uh, a smaller press they currently have uh, actually six though we are only going to be talking about five because we did not have all of the issues for the last one so we're just going to be talking about the the first five that we have Uh, between them there are a number of of issues though there's um, About 27, I believe, is what it worked out to, right? I believe so. Something like that. There was a a good amount. A good chunk of them. Now, what's happening here is that in the case of these five, all but one are written by the same writer. And then we also have uh, a variety of artists, although some of them work on a couple of titles. And we'll discuss both the stories as well as the our thoughts on the story as well as the art as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to break it down by series, and then uh, both Sarah and I are going to take our turns, kind of giving a, a brief synopsis on on what it they're, they they're about and everything. Um, keeping in mind that a hey, we're doing five series here so we're not going into any great detail we're not analyzing forever and quite frankly i got I hate to say it but i would be more willing to talk at length about them if we'd actually enjoyed them as well and unfortunately <sighs> really really didn't and it wasn't just me i spoke to vince about it as well and he had read them and he felt the same way about everything we kind of agreed on almost everything and then you read them as well and you kind of felt the same way as well
0: i did there were quirky points and there were different things that i definitely enjoyed to an extent but i have to say it was a little bit of work getting through them
1: all right so we're going to start off with drace gray now before we even go any further I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's funny because Vince and I have joked around about Marvel using the same goddamn names for everything, for all of their titles for comic books. There's no originality. It's either Avenging This, X-Title This, Uncanny This. They're all the same bloody names. We'd like a little bit more originality in titles. Now, (laughs) complete opposite end of the spectrum are some of the names here which anyways so we got drace gray and uh there's an issue zero which they like zeros um issue zero one two uh one and two i should say and this one again written by james ninus should we say ninus or Ninness? I, I would say ninus I, I think would so. say nine ninus ninus <laughs> whatever um He wrote uh, the first one by himself, I believe, and then the other ones are are a uh, collaboration with Michael Drace Fountain. Um, So both of those are the uh, writing on that one. And then the artist for that one is Brian Soriano. So Drace Gray is essentially a supernatural buddy cop movie type of story um, with one of the cops dying early on, and then the other one finds out that, oh, spoiler, um, he's a demon. And so, and then you have, I, my thoughts were the hair should have been the first giveaway. That hair that he had, first giveaway, there's something wrong with you. You're a demon. There's <laughs> There's got to be something. And uh, and so anyways, you find out that they are after a serial killer that is abducting young children. The um, There's all kinds of bad things happening. And then you find out that, again, the partner was a demon. Then I, I will say the one scene where he opens it up, the mouth. And you see all the teeth, the reveal there? That was kind of cute. I I thought that was all right.
0: I liked it. It was actually one of my favorite panels. I thought it was (laughs) art-wise. I really enjoyed it. See, I like lots of teeth.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing with this, too, is that, unfortunately, the art was really not always good in this series. Um, You've got a weird field of depth perception that's wrong you've got like the the foreshadowing the four um when 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 they're drawing things that are coming towards you whatever it the the dimensions were not right, the depth wasn't right, everybody's running weirdly. <laughs> Did you notice in the hospital the orderlies are running and they're they have these like weird poses? I'm I'm actually doing it, but you can see me.
0: <laughs> yes, but yes the, I can. And it's true. The action I had a really hard time with the uh, the action shown in yeah, the frame. It doesn't fit. It it
1: just seems so to place and everybody's almost always running. There's a, a catastrophe everywhere. Um and then so there was a lot of things that were we're not good with the art. The I didn't like the tone of it either. It's this it's not color, but it is color kind of. It's like a sepia but with what was it? It was green or blues, I think, or some damn thing. It just it it didn't really work. And I found that though it wasn't again, it wasn't terrible. Some shots were really not good. Some of the panels were like really quite bad. Now, I understand that some of this also has to do with the time it takes to put an issue out for an artist unfortunately you're really doing a lot of work and it, it takes quite a bit of time to put out an issue um so taking that into consideration you can see the panels where a lot more work was done and in those it was actually good i enjoyed it but unfortunately there were also a lot of the panels that just seemed really off to me i and and also it's it's a style so some people may look at this style and think okay, this is good, whereas I'm looking at this and thinking, E no, no, I, I, I wasn't digging it.
0: No, and a lot of his uh, full-page or close-to-full-page uh, images, I thought, were really well done. They had the detail in the right areas, and again, a lot more of, again, with the hospital, when you've got the more natural settings, I had a hard time placing what was in front from what was behind, but you didn't have the same depth that you get with shading. It, it was a lot... Um, a lot more black and white. Yeah. You didn't have much gray or in-between area.
1: So, uh, I mean, overall, from all of the artists that we're going to be talking about, this was one of the better ones, actually.
0: True. And actually, again, with some of the frames, I really enjoyed them. They they almost match a couple of the pictures I have up on my walls.
1: <laughs> all right. So the story, again, for this one here is perhaps one of the ones that I didn't mind as much it certainly didn't grab me things are happening at a pace that is not always consistent it it doesn't always make sense how it's how the story is being told and I found that it was just again it was disjointed often and then when they're having these moments these great reveals and all that with the exception of a couple it's like I don't know. I really found it very difficult to get into this one, Um, though not nearly as bad as some of the other ones. This one was, for lack of a better term, one of the least objectionable.
0: True, and I really tried to keep that it is a mystery murder. I tried to keep that, that theme and that feeling while I was reading them, but I felt like you were in the dark for a lot of it. You didn't exactly know very much going in, and while you're starting to read it, Perhaps you weren't getting enough details
1: about certain things? That's one of the things that happens when you have... um and, and it happens to a lot of writers where, and it's happened to me, and this is why whenever I write anything, I make certain to show a lot of people, get their feedback and then come back. And I've even had it in, in, in certain cases where people have come back and said, okay, this made sense to you, but it didn't make sense, make sense to us because the writers got the entirety of the story in their head. They understand all of the characters. They know everything about them. They know what's going on in terms of the pacing of the story and everything. They've got it. It's in their heads. Unfortunately, when they put it on paper, it doesn't always get conveyed properly. And they don't always convey all of the little details that people, the readers, need to be able to follow the story. And so some of what is happening here, between that and the, the, the art, kind of, you find it hard to follow along and always get a clear understanding of what's going on and things like that so because you also get this other woman coming into play here who's trying to give him more information the surviving cop about again what is happening and, and why and things like that so it again it was the least objectionable of the i believe of all of them um though still unfortunately not something that i'd be willing to actually keep reading at all
0: I almost want to read just one more, although I guess that's my problem. There's always, always one yeah. more, and it could it could turn. It could be this next issue is going to uh, explain a lot more. And I found at the end, when you find out that it is much more religious and it's the demons and there's certain um, ritualistic elements coming out, especially with the children and the monster and everything else, with this storyline, uh, I feel like maybe with the next issue, we'll find out what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, I mm, I'm not certain whether I'll be reading the next one, but we'll see. Okay, now we're going to touch on Dust. This one went from issue zero to number four. This one again was rich, written by James nineness Again, we we don't know how we're going to pronounce it, but we're going to go with that. And uh, the art was by John Narcomi. Narcomy, yeah, Nar Narcomi. Uh The sto- <laughs> the storyline for this one <laughs> now. This is like a post-apocalyptic Harvey story with raping and lipless villains. If that's not enough to kind of maybe turn you off, (laughs) it gets better. Uh, Harvey is an old Jimmy Stewart movie. It's a reference that maybe some of the younger listeners won't get. It's an old black and white. If you've never seen it, actually, you definitely should watch it. It's a a favorite of uh, myself and my my wife. It's a fantastic movie. Basically, Harvey is a six-foot invisible rabbit that follows jimmy stewart around and nobody else sees him except for jimmy stewart well in this story it's buddy and he may not be a rabbit we don't know what he is but he's a friend of the lead character who is just this bizarre screwed up man who goes around killing anybody who insults buddy basically you insult buddy you're You're dead um and so it's this again post-apocalyptic world um, crazy cowboy settings the um tons of violence he he meets up with a woman who is abducted and stripped and everything and she goes with him they have to go find a quote-unquote doctor it's it's unfortunately there's cliche after cliche in what you would think something has to be in a post-apocalyptic kind of setting he shoves it all in there and in insanity and it's just psychotic from beginning to end in terms of like like we want to talk about bad pacing. the pacing throughout this all was nuts, sometimes to the point of making absolutely no sense the The characters are like i I know what he's trying to do with the main character again the crazy cowboy who's just going around like a prophet in the, the this post apocalyptic setting, but there's just absolutely nothing to like in this series. And then when you toss in the art for this one, which is like a scribbled art style. Seriously, it looks like it was scribbles that somebody would have drawn in the panels of a high school b- book. Okay. It the, the, the art was absolutely terrible, I found there were there were a couple of interesting panels where once again you can see that the artist put more work into those panels. But overall, oh my god, I, I thought it was absolutely terrible. I really didn't like it at all.
0: I was not a huge fan of the style, but I did find, again, depending on on what they were looking for for the comic book, maybe it was supposed to be an older style. But again, it's it's set in a what's supposed to be a more futuristic setting. That's, again, had the post-apocalyptic issue. They've gone back. A few of the things I did really, really enjoy, though... There's a couple of the the panels where you've got your cowboy cactuses, the full, you know, dust and sunset. And then you've got a big robotic hand (laughs) sitting on top of a building. And I really, I enjoyed those small little details myself, personally. And some of the backsplashes, there was a lot of color, a, a lot of reds and yellows and blues.
1: Yeah, but the color was basically... All that, if you look at the issue now, this is I. My wife's an artist, and you studied art at school as well too. If you look at the again quote unquote color here, all it is is that the issues were drawn, inked, let to dry, and then it's a watercolor wash over everything, the entire page. So it's not that the watercolors like certain. Like it, everything was drawn inside the lines, kind of thing, where it was properly colored. No, it's a wash color over the entire. He basically took a brush, some wa- some watercolors, and just entire paper was just washed, and in different colors too, because it wouldn't make sense to keep it all consistent. Um, and there's a few moments where there's actual colors, although that happens to be when there is blood that that's drawn in, which comes off as a cheesy effect, in my opinion. And when they want your attention to be somewhere, there's a red dot. It reminded me of when the hockey, they started broadcasting the hockey in the States and they put a dot over the puck so you could always follow it on the screen because the American audience apparently did not know how to follow a freaking puck. It was fairly insulting to them. But here you have that. So... Oh, my God. I really, really did not like this style of art as wa- at all at all. Every, you got a whole bunch of characters, too, that have sharp teeth. Because apparently, post-apocalyptic setting, first thing you want to do, take a file to your teeth so that you look tough and crazy.
0: Well, craziness, it keeps other crazies away. So yeah. at that point in time, maybe it was a good idea. But no, it's it's very very true. And the man with no lips, I had a really hard time with his speech because it was hit or miss. And for a lot of his speech, I actually read it out loud without using any lips to see if it was if it was right. I'm really glad I'm by myself for most of these times. But it's true. I really did, and and it was hit or miss because for a lot of times they put, they put f's in there. I'm trying as hard as I can, and I can't make an f sound. Okay, I just personally. took a screenshot.
1: So, basically, if anybody wants to know what that looks like, <laughs> I'll put it on, <laughs> on the, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> um, did you take anything away from the story that would make you want to read any more of this?
0: I want to find out what happens with the puppy. That's it. Oh, there's a puppy. Yeah. Coco. there's. Ooh. Yes. A puppy. Um, That's the end of it. That's as far as... And even then, I I wouldn't continue reading just to find that out. Yeah. But I would be curious. Uh,
1: So, okay, so we're 0 for 2. So let's now talk about the heavens. Go ahead.
0: The heavens. So it throws you on a completely uh, alternate universe, a different planet called Terra. And it happens in the only city on Terra, convenient, named Zodia, where there's a lot of chaos going on. It's really going downhill. Um, you're thrown right in the middle of the plot. So the king's two children are being framed for his quote-unquote murder by their evil stepmother, of y- course.
1: Y- 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 stepmothers must be evil. Yes. Be, if If you're going to write a stepmother, she's basically, it's an unwritten rule, has to be evil.
0: And it was almost like she had a cape. Yeah, it really comic, is. I was a really big fan. As soon as I saw that, I was right on board. I felt completely okay with her being the evil stepmother. Uh, she looked to be about the same age as them. It really fit in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, so Queen Sue's, the stepmother, is stepping up. She's trying to take power over the kingdom. And uh, it seems to be throwing the city into a lot of chaos. But you're thrown right in the middle of it. So where it goes from there, she's. Framing the two children, she's going to have a public um, sentence and death for them, which of course goes awry. Although it doesn't seem like either of them are really going to benefit at the end. They both escape to further doom and torture. Um, And that's where it's left off. So there's a group that seems to be effectively plotting against the the queen. And I believe the king is dead. Honestly? By the end of it.
1: This was such... Wow. If... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I could bleep. <laughs> it was, it's a cluster bleep is what this is. Um, when you are trying to follow along with this story from the beginning and figure out what is going on. Now, this one as well, written by James Nines, Nines, whatever. And the art was by Turbo Qualls. I just love that it's Turbo. I don't know if that's his real name or nickname. One would assume nickname, but somebody may have named their kid Turbo. You never know. It's it's possible. So right from the get-go, it's... Okay, right from the get-go, excessively violent uh people being hung by hooks while still alive dragging on the ground from ropes as this blimp like thing is dragging them around on the ground down below for the creatures that come out of the ground which if you like teeth like you were saying we got plenty of teeth here boy uh to eat and whatnot and the wild creatures below and all that too it so but it's just this uh, Again, right from the beginning, it's convoluted and confusing. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? And again, when you're you're reading A, a brand new IP, and B, from a smaller press, I mean, you got to hook your audience in pretty fast, okay? So there's something to be said about jumping into the action, sure. But it has to still be clear. It has to be something that you can follow along, that you can understand who all the characters are. There's so much going on, so many characters, so many, everything it's convoluted. It's just, it comes off as a jumbled mess. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? And not just for the first issue or the issue zero, you keep reading and it still doesn't always make sense. You need to go read the recap on their site to say, oh, that's what he's trying to say. And you shouldn't have to do that.
0: Looking back, if you're putting everything in order, I guess you can you can kind of see where uh, I really think they should have elaborated on an introduction. It it speaks, there's a brief, small sentence about how the city used to be this great, thriving city. Um, Although it's the only one on the planet, so I don't... I, yeah, really, eh? It there's, must be <laughs> really, really big. Well, who are thriving. they trading
1: with? It's what? like, there's... <laughs>
0: I'm worried about the genetics. You yeah, really. What would be happening. But, um, so you just get a brief explanation of it was really, really good, and now it's really, really bad. And then you're thrown in the and middle. And that's it. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Anything else?
0: Oh, no. You know what? I, I think I would leave it at that.
1: <laughs> and I love, too, that it's not the heavens, but it's the heavens with a possessive apostrophe s so you're wanting to know the heavens what you know that it's it's the heavens something but you don't have that it's not a, <laughs> it doesn't quite make sense but maybe that's just me and i'm reading too much into it or maybe i'm not reading enough into it
0: i did I, you have, have-
1: no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on, we got Mythoi. This is the longer of their series; has been running the longest. We got issues one to nine. At that point, they, I guess, they weren't doing the zeros yet. Plus, you have five quote-unquote origin stories issues. Okay. Once again, written by James Ninnis, and the artists here, we've got several working on it. You've got uh, Jed Soriano. Oh, actually, you know what? We didn't talk about the art in the heavens. We need to just quickly touch on that just because it is so bad that at times it is so dark that it's actually hard to see what is happening in the panels it's a wash of black with little color highlights here and there and because the 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 story is confusing and the action sequences are sometimes confusing and then you can't actually see what's happening I just was at a loss most of the time and really wasn't enjoying it at all, at all.
0: I found there were also points where I couldn't tell characters apart in certain scenarios. Yeah.
1: Okay, so, yeah, the art for uh, Mythoi we've got Jed Soriano, Brian Soriano, and Kevin Warwick, and they kind of trade off on, on various issues. And unfortunately, we wind up with this same thing happening in there were in some of them were so dark that you can't see what's happening panel to panel. Now, some of them were good. Some of them were, in fact, quite good. When there was lighting in some of them, it was quite good. Some of the styles I wasn't as crazy about, but okay, fine, I I can still roll with it. Like Warwick style is very, very simplistic. And in some panels, I thought, far too simplistic but then in some other panels okay it's actually not bad you can tell when more work was put into it but then the sorianos again some panels are so dark some pages that it is bloody difficult to figure out what the hell is going on and then we have the same thing with with mythoi where we have this story that is so convoluted and so much happening, and they're trying to blend in gods and werewolves and vampires and everything else. And, like, just to give you an example here in issue number seven, we, we have a previously on mythoid. The Coven, a group of transient werewolves, assassinated the President of the United States when strong-armed by Bishop Abraham Van Van Helsing. So we we got got to shove him into the story as well, of course. This assassination has sent Vice President Dresden Thomas to President. He's a pretty young guy to be President, too. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, President Thomas quickly called in his best friend, billionaire defense contractor and son of Ares, the Greek god of war, Taros Alexander, to help assess the situation. Because when in doubt, who are you going to call? Billionaire gods, billionaire sons of gods. Why not? Well, if
0: you have their number.
1: If it's on speed dial, why would you not call? Taros, I need your help, buddy. Come on over. So Taros was able to identify the coven as the culprits and followed them from Boston to New York where he found them in battle with Bishop Abraham and his knights revolting against their master. The battle ended in defeat as Taros watched Heathcliff, his one-time friend and leader of the coven, die when Abraham detonated a small bomb implanted in Heathcliff's head. How do you get a bomb in someone's head? They figured it out uh basically from there we got the coven vanished soon after with catherine their new leader and heathcliff's lover vowing revenge very ooh drama uh elsewhere in new york Vito. this is <laughs> Vito. Vito's a hundred year old vampire in the body of an eight year old who likes to look at women's chests as they lean over too because that makes perfect sense let's appeal to The perverts who are reading this uh, arrives to America for the first time and ran into trouble when he befriended a mysterious Japanese Yuri named Yuki. Once Vito learned that he, he had interfered with Yuki's dragon hunting, he pledged himself to her aid. And it just keeps going on. And that's not enough, because on top of that, in Arizona, an isolated siren brothel. Owned by Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love has a dark secret in its basement, the lair of Medusa. When the Cupid returns home from a secret mission with touch, a time-traveling assassin, Aphrodite insists that he be taken to Medusa to join her collection of various monsters, gods, and demons.
0: There weren't any unicorns.
1: There were no unicorns. I will give you that.
0: Okay. One point. No rainbows. That might have been it. I think that might have been the only point. Wow. The, I have to say, though, as far as the <laughs> art goes, I did enjoy it more than the previous three. Um, it did have its moments. I was disappointed while reading a small note with Vito. I think at one point, he was actually this more elder soul and more intelligent. But then it seems as though partway through the story that just...
1: Reverted back to eight-year-old mentality.
0: Maybe that's what America does, though. <laughs> You set foot on American soil and a hundred years turns into eight.
1: And send all hate emails to Sarah at com. I'll have to take
0: that one off my phone. I shouldn't be reading those at work. So,
1: uh, yeah. No, it's... The story is all over the place, which is a trademark of James's, unfortunately. It's, it's The story is all over the place. It's far too convoluted. It's very difficult to get into the characters as well. Even in the origin stories, which are all about the you know specific characters and all that, I really—and I read them a couple of times to make sure that it wasn't just, oh, I read it too fast, or I wasn't paying attention, or whatever— the writing doesn't seem to... The pacing, the writing doesn't seem to work, let alone the, the art periodically, because, like I said, in some panels, some pages, the art was justifiably, in some cases, actually quite good Um, when they took their time. Some of the panels, though, not not really. And then when you have the ones that are black with a few neon highlights, that's not good art, folks. I don't care if it's taking place at night. Um, So, but there's just just so much and then you got this spirit going into random bodies and possessing them when she's taking possession of all of the those knights and causing them to shoot each other that actually there was one moment where it was funny where she gets herself to shoot herself in the head that the one guy and i can't remember the exact line that was that was cute um but overall it's just it comes across as a jumbled mess. And I mean, it's not that I have a problem with convoluted stories. We're going to be talking about some of those next week when we're talking about some of the stuff going on with the uh, Uncanny X-Force and whatnot. I mean, you're looking at some of the stuff that went on in Uncanny X-Force. Vince and I covered that as well, too, with the Apocalypse story. I mean, there was a ton of stuff going on at the same time, but it was handled so masterfully that you were along for the ride. You got it. It was fine. And even the few things that even I, because I hadn't I didn't have the history of knowing all of the characters and different things. I still enjoyed, and then once I kind of talked to Vince and got a handle on everything, then I enjoyed it even more. But when you're looking at this here, it's just, again, very hard to care about any of the characters. Very hard to see them as, distinguish them from each other even. You've got this, very few of them are, are... Unique enough, the story is convoluted, and I don't know, can can you add anything?
0: Really, for this one, I I think what I wish I had seen um, is a lot more individuality in the stories, a lot more keeping them all separate. A lot of the group settings with this many characters that you're seeing now have characters that everybody already, for the most part, knows, understands, has some history on. With these ones here, I feel like we jump-started a small story, and then, bam, the next day they all got together and, you know, fought for justice. Gee. Except none of that really happened. No.
1: <laughs> so so there you have it. So we have one left, and that is Sim-I. Sim-I. Again, great title. Uh, issues number zero to four, written by Joe Pizzula. That was the only one written by someone different. And then the art was by Daniel Touchette. So go ahead
0: sim I, I don't tell me really you like this it. Funny, oh. silly little i can see wow. roger right now for everybody who's wondering <laughs> he's rolled his eyes about three times
1: <laughs> oh. um
0: this series follows sim uh who is really retelling his story being captured he ends up in a f east labs feast labs i guess if you say it the way it's spelled but there's different capitalization uh a lab infested with strange animals that have been experimented on, staff. Uh, It's ultimately run by a scientist's brain, which he has personally removed and placed in an invention which not only allows him the use of mechanical arms, but a voice. And I'm really glad they put the voice on because it would have been confusing otherwise. Um,
1: You haven't even explained who Simai is yet.
0: Simai is a monkey. He is a
1: monkey. The monkey.
0: He's a really smart monkey. There was an experiment... And he became very (laughs) intelligent. He won a game of chess against a scientist. I think it might have been the scientist with his brain removed, though.
1: Keep going. Keep going.
0: (laughs) Okay, so uh, it really retells his story of how he gets there, uh, his view on the whole thing, and his escape. So he's he's sort of trying to get away from the lab. From the cats. I believe they have his romantic connection there. They have a female monkey that he can't figure out if he wants her or food. I think that was the main dilemma throughout two of the issues. But it what it really came down to, what it really reminded me of, is sort of an adult version of Curious George.
1: Not even. I'm sorry, that was not an quote-unquote adult version of Curious George. This is a Curious George story written by... Horny teenage boys in high school drawn out in, once again, lined paper in the back of their notebooks while they were in class. Because the concepts are absolutely ridiculous, stupid, right throughout. The the freaking cats that are... Oh, my God.
0: They were mining, weren't they?
1: There's so much going on there that is, and again, it just, it bounces, r- bounces bounces all over the place. The story trying to keep track of what the hell is happening. And then, of course, you have to have the, the sexy nurse, which, oh, come on. This is where the artist is like, oh, okay, so you're actually right in with that 14-year-old crowd drawing in the back of their books because it's the pencil-thin yeah. waist with the... Chest that would break her in half in reality, on roller skates, in a miniskirt as well.
0: Well, I've never personally worked in a lab, so I maybe that is the dress code. Judge, it's true.
1: It's true. It's possible. Uh, Oh my god!
0: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it it was very. It was aimed at what seems like a, a very, very young, very teen, young adult audience. Very. Goofy and silly, and a lot happening, and in some ways reminded me more of a, a just a panel than a, a full issue or a series because there were little things happening here and there. But it was—I'm sorry—it might have been my favorite.
1: Really? Oh my god! Okay,
0: I'm being kicked off the podcast, yeah. folks. I'm Next sorry week we'll to have someone new.
1: Uh, I I thought it was so juvenile; it was unbelievable. I thought the art was the art. Although I will say this: okay, the art here kind of went from eh to good now not taking into consideration the, the sexy nurse. Um in some of the issues it's like it's like scribbles. But then like in issue two, so three issues in, it actually gets good. You can tell that more time was spent. Cleaner lines, everything. It reverts back to bad in issue three, but by four again you've got the cleaner lines and everything looks better. It's a very cartoony style so you can't go in looking for realism but that's fine you certainly won't have any in the story um with the exception again of the stupid nurse um you you have a style that's very cartoony and 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 fun fits with the theme so yeah the the art there when done slowly it was it was quite good it's just that i i just could not could not get behind the story some of it was it was obviously not aimed at my, not just my age group, but <laughs> this is going to sound horribly pompous, but you know, my intellectual level, maturity level, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't aimed at that. And I got to tell you, ask around, that ain't that high, okay? <laughs> Mine is pretty low. And even if I'm saying, dear Lord, this is even too much for me to look at and say, come on. It just, yeah. Yeah. I I really really didn't enjoy it.
0: I really tried to look at it as again with everything the art, with the writing, and the general goofy and silly feel to it. I just tried to look at it as that a very small, goofy, silly, funny little piece. And I found there were little pieces in each issue where I could sort of, oh, semi. But you he, know, this is the thing to,
1: between semi and Daredevil. Oh, <laughs> um, but this is the thing though. You're, you're saying that you only get that. In certain parts of each issue. So the issue as a whole is not consistent with that style, with that theme. So you can't say, like, I see, even I would have been all right to a certain degree with each issue if it had been consistent, made sense, not been such a convoluted mess, but been that juvenile story and been okay, I can understand that it's a, you know, juvenile story. Written for a younger age group that it's going to think, oh, this is just fun, silly nonsense, fine. But the story is so nonsensical and it just bounces all over the place. And it's like, again, how can you enjoy it if, you know, you're, you're enjoying just parts of it saying like, well, this part made sense. I enjoyed that. The rest around it did not, but this little part was quite awesome.
0: You very, know. very true. Although this was the last one I read as well.
1: You were on the home stretch. That's the yeah. only reason why you were enjoying it.
0: It could have been <laughs> slept deprivation. <laughs> were, really? Going back to think about it.
1: So that is it. That, those are the ones. There is also the underground by them, but we did not read those issues. Um, but again, I. this was a difficult episode to prepare for, and I'm not going to lie, to record, simply because... It comes off as very negative, but I want it to be a critical, honest review of it. I do not want to tell people, go read this. You will love it, support them, and then they pick up all these issues and realize that they did not enjoy it. Now, that said as well, everything is subjective. Some people may pick these up and think, I like it. I like the style. I like the, the stories. I can make sense of it. What's wrong with you, Roger? You're a big stupid. Fine. I'm all right with all that. And I do encourage people to still check them out. I mean, read some of their stuff, the little previews online that they have, if you want to, and maybe pick up an issue or two here and there and see if you like it, support them for sure. I think that's fantastic. Unfortunately, reading them all to talk about it and analyze what the stories are and everything. I, I didn't, there, there were only a few pockets, a few panels where I kind of said, oh, that was cute. Oh, that was all right. I enjoyed that from 27 issues that we read and that's that's not a good track record and i'm i'm sorry and i think a large part of that has to do i'm sorry i don't know if he is one of the key founders of keyleaf but writer james ninnis i think he really needs a lot of work in terms of his the pacing in for his stories and and the information that he puts through and the characterization the intercharacter relationships there's so much that needs to be worked on that i'm afraid doesn't come across he may be able to write beautiful short stories or novels or whatever it's quite possible who knows but when it comes to this here with comics i find that his pacing is so off it's unbelievable and of the five he wrote four so to me that was very telling of his skill as a writer not so much you know the series, what key leaf is doing. I think that maybe if they put out some other writers that, and and not more semi, (laughs) some other writers with some stuff, then uh, we could have something that's quite good, depending on whose art they put on it as well.
0: No, I'm on the same page.
1: Yeah. So, Moving away from there, because it was very, we needed to read good stuff too. <laughs> so, for the what we've been reading, did you tackle anything?
0: I did, I did. I uh, started Night of the Owls, the Batman, New 52, um, which I don't actually read a lot of Batman. And I thought I should probably start because i'm sure that you guys you'll touch up on it again soon well nice to have court of a owls little bit stuff. more knowledge
1: yeah the court of owls stuff um, has been fantastic hmm? the court of owls stuff has been absolutely fantastic
0: yeah i was really surprised well i guess i shouldn't say i was really surprised but i was i was really happy with it i'm very excited to get back home and keep reading <laughs> yeah but um yeah so night of owls you're following batman in, I have to say, in the first issue, I really want to cut it out and put it in a frame. I really enjoyed it. There's <laughs> one panel that has Batman, Darkwing, Red Robin, and Robin in one picture. Right. And I just... Oh, and they're all wearing little cute tuxedos. <laughs> it was adorable. It was really enjoyable. So... Uh, but the story, again, goes along with the... um Wow, I'm reading the first issue, I've already read that one, and I'm on the second, um, you got, with the murder, and do, find yeah. Darkwing's DNA under the fingernails, so it's interesting, I'm really enjoying how they're building Gotham in this one, and it seems like... There's a lot of good stuff to come.
1: Yeah, Nightwing stuff. Yeah, it's 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 very good. There's uh it's it's a great storyline, and it's right. It's a good time for you to read it too, because of the new talent story that uh, is going to be coming out as well. So it's a now is a good time to to be catching up on that story. If, for people who have not read it and it, brilliantly written very very much enjoyed that for myself I actually read uh, I've been reading some of the uh, rereading some of the stuff for our issue next week which is going to be on getting caught up on what's been going on with Uncanny X-Force since Vince and I touched on them um, several issues back uh, so I've been reading a lot of those but in addition to that I read Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 13 which is over a year old now so uh, it, it's This issue was very good, though far more, for the most part, far more serious in in tone because we have the, again, essentially the same as the original Spider-Man that J. Jonah always made him out to be a murderer, this or that. Well, now Miles is getting the same treatment where he's being called a murderer because of his uncle's death. Um, And then you have the problems at home because of that kind of thing. So there... Benison in, is introducing some things that was kind of expecting borderline cliche, I mean, probably not even borderline, but it works and it was still good. But what really made the issue was that as we talked about too, the news that we'd heard from uh, comic con was that captain America is going to be coming back now and paying more attention to what's been happening. He's been gone essentially since the death of Spider-Man. So now he has to get caught up on what's going on here. So we get just a brief glimpse of what that's going to be like that, Again, the relationship now between Miles and and Spider-Man. And if there will be one, which of course there will, but it's it's playing off very good. So I enjoyed that a lot. We also had Extreme X-Men number one, which just came out, which is the first following the storyline from the parallel universes that was created in um, the the Exalted storyline that was written by Greg Pak. And that was, of course, an astonishing X-Men. So we loved Exalted. So I went into this like really hoping to be blown away. And I kind of was, and I kind of wasn't. And the reason I wasn't was because he used Dazzler so much. Dazzler being the rock musician chick who basically turns light into this energy force kind of thing. So a lot of people aren't fans of Dazzler. She's not a very strong character. And so I felt that really held back a lot of the potential. I think that had it been... Another character that we really care about mixing in with those other characters, those other parallel, um, Logan, Emma, and Kurt, that you'd have this really cool story. But unfortunately, Dazzler keeps getting in the way and you keep wanting to push her back through the portal. (laughs) Get back in your own parallel universe. We don't want you here. But she's going to be sticking around, it seems like, at least. Now, that said, Pac did such a great job with all of the characters in Exalted that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe this will be the story that makes me like Dazzler and, and, and like her more as a character and everything. It's possible. Again, I've got a lot of faith in what he's doing. But from this, it was like, oh, man, just shut up, girl. And then lastly... Avenging Spider-Man number 10, which was the second part with the giant freaking chick, crazy chick, and Captain Marvel. It was fantastic. It was just absolutely fantastic. I love the rapport that that Spider-Man has with Captain Marvel. And we saw that in uh, issue number nine. We see it again here. It's just, it's, it's really good. But more so than that, we see, again, Peter with this giant creation, this this giant girl who just keeps getting bigger, and she is batshit crazy. I'm gonna have to bleep that out, but she's just she's just all manner of crazy. But but there's a it kind of she's she has her lucid moments. Let's just say, and it's those moments when she's talking with Spider Man. It's like really really good. It was a fantastic issue. If you haven't read that little story bit, it's uh, pick up at number nine and number ten and. I thought it was fantastic. Great, great stuff. So on for what we got this week. What came out on Wednesday? We got uh, from Marvel, Age of Apocalypse number 6, which again, the stuff that's been going on in that has actually been a lot of fun to read. I've been enjoying it. Avengers Academy number 34, of Avengers versus X-Men number 9, Avenging Spider-Man, like I said, number 10, which very good. Daredevil number 16, which continues on with the stuff that we were reading I have not read it, but I probably will. Deadpool Pool Kills the Marvel Universe, number one of four. I was thinking this was going to be essentially along the lines of the Punisher versus the Marvel Universe that was done by Jonathan Mayberry, but it's come kind of different. And I got to tell you, so far, I read it and I wasn't digging it all that much. A few parts that were all right, but overall, not so much. Defenders, number nine. First, X-Men number one of five, which again, this was the announcement at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So we got Wolverine and Sabretooth here working together with a very young Xavier kind of thing to try to um, essentially convince Xavier to start up the X-Men kind of thing. So this kind of goes against some of other origin stories we've kind of read kind of thing. So it it was so-so. Not great, but eh, so so. Uh, Hawkeye number one, Ultimate Comics number 13, or Spider Man number 13. Uh, X Factor 241, X Men 33, and then on the DC side we've got a bunch of number 12s. We've got Action Comics, Animal Man, Batwing, Detective Comics, Green Arrow, Green Lantern or sorry, Red Lantern, Stormwatch, Swamp Thing. Those are all your number 12s. And then we've got uh, Before Watchmen, Night Owl, Number Two of Four. We've got Dial—I said I wrote it down, but I probably shouldn't. Dial H, Number Four. Nah. Earth Two, Number Four, which has been decent, and World's Finest, Number Four. And then we've got, uh, also number 12, we've got the final issue for the Justice League International bowing out, which I'm fine with that. Less booster goal is always a good thing. And then for the rest, we've got the Hypernaturals, number two from Boom Studios. We've got Infected, number one of five, which I picked up from IDW, and I'm going to be reading shortly. Mind the Gap, number three from Image. Thief of Thieves, number seven from Image, which I need to go back and get caught up on those as well. And Think Tank, number one from Image, which looked like it might be fun when you got this genius trying to get out of developing weapons of mass destruction for the government kind of thing it it looks like it might be fun so i'm looking forward to those so once again there oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna take that out
0: (laughs) now's a good time
1: i'll keep it in script (laughs) thanks for dropping by fun issue despite the fact that we were talking about a lot of stuff that we didn't enjoy but next week should be a lot more fun you're not going to say anything they can't I'm excited see you next
0: week. I'm really excited <laughs> for the X-Men. Yeah. I haven't picked up X-Men in a little while. I think this is going to be a really really Well, good no, 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 not the X-Men. Stuff? This is
1: the X-Force stuff, remember?
0: Yes. Uncanny yes.
1: Exports. So, no, I, I think that you are going to really like it. So, but you have got a crapload of comics to read for next Wednesday. And we will be on time next week. I promise. We will do our damnest to be on time. Of course, you can find the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CB Informer. And if you have any comments or questions or anything, send them to roger at comicbookinformer.com. And of course, again, if you want to give Vince a shout out and tell him that you miss him, send it to Vince at comicbookinformer.com. With that, we will talk to you guys next week.